0: What's going on, guys? Scott Fish here. Just wanted to tell you about a couple new shows to the DLF family of podcasts. First up, the Superflex Super Show with John Hogue, James katulis and Travis Rasmussen. Guarantee I screwed up one of those names. Uh, this is a show where they discuss strategy for fantasy football's many alternate scoring systems, like two QB, tight end, premium points per carry, points per target points per first down guys where's this in the list you should have that super flex obviously this is my kind of stuff this is my wheelhouse that's alternative scoring and setups is my thing so uh i'm i'm gonna have to go subscribe to that right now it's kind of a shame admitting that i'm not i'm gonna do that right now and you should too second we got dynasty game night told you about this last couple weeks it's a fun game oriented show with john Bosch and matt price You've probably heard of it. If you haven't, you need to check it out. Finally, Dynasty Double Take, which is a 15-minute show about a topic of choosing from Dan Sanio and Nathan Powell. Why is it 15 minutes, you ask? Who can stand more than 15 minutes of either of them? That's why. I'm just kidding, but it, it's a fun show for a short commute, so you should check that out. You can subscribe to all of these shows in one feed or individually by going to DynastyLeagueFootball.com podcasts. Now, on to our show. Commission Impossible. And welcome back to another episode of Commission Impossible. This is probably episode 16, depending on how I cut these all up. I assume maybe. <laughs> I am here with oh I should have written these down. We got the commission extraordinaire, the man, the myth, the legend, the face of Dynasty, Dynasty legend, uh commissioner of the kitchen sink leagues, uh the 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 man behind so many things at
1: Dynasty League football. Ryan McDowell shaking his head at me. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm doing well. That that's all you though. That sounds like you're describing yourself. Except no, maybe, maybe except for those kitchen sink leaks. <laughs> Little do people know that I
0: ghost commission those <laughs> leaks. <laughs> I, I need you to sometimes oh man commissioning leaks (laughs) i tell you that's what we're here to talk about i mean it's it's a job it is a j-o-b job a lot of the time (laughs) so hopefully we give you stuff in these episodes that will help you uh help you out with your questions or whatever remember commish pod at gmail.com and i hope i got that right on the first try <laughs> that sounds pretty that sounds good i feel like i got it right so uh we got we got more listener questions we're we're trying to trying to bang through all of these uh listener questions do you, do you want to start with this first
1: one ryan or should i uh yeah i'll do it all right first question comes from wiley in london ontario canada wow more 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 international listeners Can Wow, you call that international that's, awesome. that's international right yeah canada's canada. international yeah.
0: It's interesting that it's London, Ontario, Canada. Like it I was almost confused for a second, but he he's from a lot of places. Yes.
1: All I mean, right, w- Wiley says, "My question is about collecting league fees. That's our I think that's our least favorite part of of being a commissioner." Most definitely. Uh, at least it is for me. What time of year do you set your league fee due date? For example, after the Super Bowl, before NFL draft, wait until training camp, et cetera and any other best practices around this part of being the commissioner. So I always collect my fees. I feel like it's pretty early. Um, I think that the official date for my leagues is the third Saturday in in February. So, um, you know, at that point, we're still kind of recovering from the previous season. Uh, But the the real issue is not – it's less about collecting fees and more about getting that commitment for me, which the fees obviously represent. So um, I want to know who's, who is committing to coming back to the league. Who's uh, maybe considering stepping away uh, and, and how many teams I'm going to have to fill. So that's why it's pretty early in my leagues. What about you, Scott? Scott.
0: Uh, for me, I'm the same way. I actually don't have a set date, which is pretty hilarious. Um, (laughs) but I do email everyone to ask their intentions and give them the route to pay, uh, right after the season. We're talking like January 1st, and then I just you know send gentle nudges every you know two to three weeks until they're all paid or whatever, you know, because I know some people can't pay right away, they they gotta you know. Get wait for another paycheck or something. But it's usually it's usually pretty much the same. It's I remind them and give them a link in January 1st, 2nd, 3rd, whatever. And usually within the next two months, um, uh, I, I make sure they're all paid up. Uh, I do have several leagues that do April 1st, that do have a hard April 1st date. And I do that specifically because the rookie draft is right after the NFL draft, and it gives a full month for me to find an owner, Uh, get that owner in the league and have that owner have a little bit of time to trade or whatever. So um, I wouldn't recommend anything later than April 1st, honestly.
1: No, I wouldn't either. And uh, as far as other best practices, I mean, I guess it just depends on how many leagues you commish. Uh, If you only have one or two, it should be fairly straightforward, but I mean, any type of Google doc or Excel sheet to, to manage and track that, um, obviously if you use uh, a service like league safe tracking and uh, the handling of the of the league fees becomes a lot easier on the commissioner um, i I don't use that but I know a lot of leagues do and are happy with that
0: mm-hmm Yep. Uh yeah, that's always definitely an option. I should probably you know, since I work for that company, I should probably promote it. <laughs> but I, I do know that some people don't like that. That's you know, that's fine. Do do what uh you like to do. Uh that is a, a pretty good option that's out there and you know, if you're a newer commissioner, that could save you time and and stress. Um Justin from Philly. Hey, Ryan and Scott. So this isn't a commish horror story. This probably came in when we were asking for those, I'm guessing. We like Uh, those. Yeah, we do like those. But it's a a story with interesting specifics. Last offseason, we turned our redraft league into a one-player franchise tag keeper league with the drafted round being the keeper cost. That's super common. Uh, We had a huge debate on what should be done first, revealing keepers or revealing the draft order. Oh that's interesting. it I, I suppose if you're going from a redraft to a one keeper one keeper, maybe you're not uh, maybe you're not keeping the like worst to first. Maybe you're just uh, <laughs> completely redrafting every year. interesting. okay. Those that said keepers should be announced first argued they wanted to know the full player pool before our draft lottery. okay, that makes sense. They do a weighted lottery for draft order and owners can wait their odds where they want to be in the draft order. Oh, so like Kentucky debris style only kind of like blind weighted, right? You're not picking your exact spot. You're just waiting them. Um, those that argued the draft lottery first before keepers were announced, argued that it would impact who they wanted to keep based on draft position, which also makes a lot of sense in a one keeper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Where do you stand? Thank you. And thank you for being dedicated commissioners of your leagues because we don't get thanked enough. Well, you just <laughs> did thank us. So yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for thanking us and thank you for commissioning your league. Um, oh boy.
1: <laughs> this is a good one. So I'm in a, I'm in a, um, I, I would call it a small keeper or a limited keeper league. Um, it's it's my home league and that i've actually just uh joined over the past couple of years and i think a, a, a lot of the guys in the league would call it a dynasty league but you can you can keep as many players as you want um based then, on yeah based on the round and it increases it out, yeah. yeah it increases each year it gets more expensive whatever um and we do kind of kind of similar to this. We don't have the the weighted uh, lottery system, but we have so we have two drafts. We have a rookie draft, and that's based worst to first on the pre- previous season. Uh, but then our redraft is is just randomized. So um, I guess I, I have some experience in, in a similar situation to Justin here and especially keeping so few players, his league is limited to only one keeper. Uh, my league, it's usually between I'd say one and five, five would be a lot of keepers in my league, I think. But I would definitely want to know the draft order before I decide on my keepers. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you have a, a player uh, who is a first round, uh, keeper, then I want to know if that, if I'm using the 101 or the 112 and clearly there's a big difference. And, and with, with some of these guys, it would impact uh, even, even the difference of 10, 11, 12 picks, it would impact my decision. So that's the the way I would go. I would determine the draft order first and then let people announce their keepers. I will say that I understand both sides of this. And if you know
0: the full player pool, you are going to weight your draft order differently, probably, you know, to a degree, I think. That said, I think that the better advantage and the more, the stronger case is what you said, Ryan, is knowing your draft order and then being able to pick which player you wanted to keep. Um, not just, not just because of you know that first round, but I mean, the player you keep now you know that's eight oh one or eight twelve, right? Like if you're keeping an eighth round guy, um that might even matter. So i I think I have to lean with you, Ryan. I see the other side, but if i if I had to pick one that I think was more more meaningful had had more weight. I think it would be it would be knowing the draft order first is more important, so I think we both agreed on that
1: let's <laughs> um, yeah, I would say that situation happens pretty often in keeper leagues i think I would say that's a pretty common um, common issue to deal with, yeah, yeah, most of my keeper leagues just do worst to first,
0: so we don't have to deal you know with. Well, I only have one keeper league left but that one <laughs> that one does worse to first so ah <sighs> did I read that one yeah I read that one uh
1: you, you get. oh who is that from Justin from Philly I just wanted to make sure I get that out there again yeah we've got we've got another Philly question this is Dave from Philly uh Dave says he's listened to all of our episodes over the past 3 weeks uh Binge them, I, I guess you could say. Thanks, thanks for that, Dave. We are working out a deal with Netflix. Yes, <laughs> just, just yeah, so of people, course. So people can binge it on there too. Uh, and and Dave says he doesn't think he's heard the following strategy mentioned on our show as a way to halt tanking. Okay, I'm ready to to dig into this one because this I, is a this is a question we get a lot. How do you? How can you stop tanking? What are rules you can have to yep. eliminate that? And, and
0: can I can I say we have talked about this?
1: But have we, we talked about this specific one?
0: Yeah, not with this terminology, but we have definitely talked about um, talked about this.
1: Okay, all right. Let's let's not see with what the Dave terminology, has. but this. Same, yeah. So go ahead. All right, Dave calls this eliminated starter points. Once you're eliminated from playoff contention, your team can start racking up ESP, eliminated starter points. The non-playoff team with the most ESP at the end of the regular season uh, gets the first pick, second gets the second pick, and so on. So the earlier your team is eliminated, the more weeks you have to rack up ESP, and the way to score more ESP is set the optimal lineup, hence no tanking. However, what you would do if someone what what would you do if someone traded their future picks if they get eliminated, they wouldn't care about earning ESP because what they're earning is picks for another team. Uh, you're great to listen to Thanks for helping. All right um, you could hmm. also see a scenario where
0: a very young team that doesn't think he could win it tanks to start the season once eliminated tries to blow out the rest of the season.
1: that that's what I was thinking as as I was, reading the question. Um, it almost seems like you would encourage early season tanking. A lot of times when you do see tanking, it's, it's middle of the season and, and, uh, and throughout the the rest of the regular season. But this, does, if I'm understanding the situation and the rule correctly, it, it would encourage early season tanking or it taking really from, from the beginning to be eliminated uh, first. Right. So, and the other thing is in most of my leagues, I mean, I've, you see some teams that go, um, you know, 12 and one or 11 and two or something like that. If, if you have a 13 week season, but for the most part, there's not a ton of difference between let's say second place and eighth or ninth place in a league. Mm -hmm. You you might have one really good team, one really bad team, and the rest are kind of uh, meeting in the middle somewhere. I I just wonder how long would it actually take a team that is trying to win and maybe just struggling with injuries or just doesn't have the the depth to really compete, how long is it going to take them to actually get eliminated? You could have several teams that wouldn't be eliminated until – that final week of the of the regular season yeah
0: we I, I i was sitting here trying to think of what when we talked about this i know that it wasn't called eliminated eliminated starter points and then i was starting to think maybe it was just a twitter conversation but i'm i'm almost positive it was on here but um, another thing is if you know if they trade away their picks i i mean there's no incentive for them to tank or play well, you know, there's no incentive to them to to even be, you know, I, I, I can see that going either way. Um, I think at first blush, it sounds like a pretty good idea and also kind of a commissioner intensive idea. Um, but, I don't know that it'll do the trick. I think it's one of those things that might do the trick in some leagues, but won't in others. And I do think it would encourage certain people to tank an entire season or at least early on.
1: It's definitely a step in the right direction though. Right. I, I think, um, I, and I like the term ESP. I like that. Yep. Um, I'm, I keep going back to his actual question, what to do if someone has traded their future pit. Yeah. That's
0: probably what we should be answering. Cause it sounds and-
1: like they like this system. So. Right, and I, I don't know. Other than maybe some type of some type of supplemental pick, um, it, you know, if you've if you've traded your first rounder, and, and you're also talking about draft position here, I I, I assume at least, yeah. Uh, if if you earn the one point oh one, even if you've traded that pick previously, you're also earning the two point oh one. You almost have to put in. You almost have to put,
0: like, if a team gets eliminated with this, like, it almost might be best to put them into optimal lineups, you know, like for the rest of the season. Once a team is eliminated, And I don't know that that's fair either. Ah, oh, wow, that's rough. Yeah, you're right, though. It's, and
1: and this is why you started to allow tanking in your leagues, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There is no, there is no perfect answer because we're we're relying on. On people, on yeah. twelve
0: different people, or and they will always find loopholes if they can.
1: Right, right. Well, even the rule that we were talking about on one of our uh, previous episodes, uh, I I put that out on Twitter. I don't know if you saw that, Scott. The the trade matching rule where you can right you can jump in and steal a trade. Yep. I was uh, I, I actually ended up writing about that in a recent um, DLF newsletter. Yeah. Yep. And. Even as I was writing about that, I thought of a loophole for that rule. You know, you and I, uh, uh, through email, agree to a trade. But rather than putting that trade through the site, I send another trade. I ex- uh, That trade's accepted with just a third party. And then you jump in with the offer that we've already talked about. Right. Right? Yeah. yeah. You put that as your as your steal attempt. And then I accept that. And you and I are both happy because that's the trade we wanted to go down. So with, with all of these rules, almost every rule, there's going to be some type of loophole, some type of challenge. And, and that goes back to your. And with that trade room also, I was thinking this one other thing, I know
0: this is so off topic, but um, you shouldn't force the guy to take a different trade on the, on the block, right? Like <laughs>
1: no, I think it would be their choice. Yeah, so if you and I agree to a trade. Everybody else in the league can make better offers, but I mean, make, it, can make offers. If the trade had Dalvin Cook and that's what you wanted, then <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it would still be our our judgment of yeah. for which trade we wanted to accept. But right. um anyway, the the trade rule, this rule, the the ESP from uh, from Dave, it all goes back to your. Uh, league integrity, What what's best for the league rule. And, and that's what commissioners have to, um, have would to you, really stick with. Would you consider,
0: and, and you really can't do anything if they've traded a pick before they're eliminated, but would you consider blocking a team who's been eliminated from trading future picks
1: in a scenario like this? I would not do it in a real league, but... I think you, in Dave's scenario you almost have to eliminate the option to trade future picks at all which i don't i
0: don't really like oh my gosh that that's true I, yeah i don't like it either but if you eliminate trading future picks altogether then that completely you know that would give them a huge reason to actually collect that esp at the end of the season
1: yeah which which again encourages tanking early in the season so so maybe maybe the answer is
0: yeah i have a i have a young team that has no chance at winning in one league and if this rule was in place let me tell you i am benching everyone for five weeks and then (laughs) and then because i have like watson and wentz and like uh um I won't go over it, but I have a bunch of really young, nice guys, but my depth is just awful. I have no chance to win. So, so maybe I'm,
1: the answer is that you, you can't start collecting ESP until week 10 week, whatever.
0: You would get a lot of people see it, man. I feel like about week 10, you, pro- you probably got four teams out or three teams out by then. Right. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> Honestly, the answer to his question is probably most simply put, don't allow trading of future picks, which is terrible. But yeah,
1: we, we don't like that idea. Th-
0: that is probably the best answer. And the second best might be once a team is eliminated, they can't trade future picks anymore. Um, that's that's not perfect, but there I don't think there's a perfect answer here. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it is is definitely an interesting rule. Definitely an interesting rule that, uh, and, and I love that he's being creative to think of a way to curb tanking. Yes. That, that is good. Hey guys, Julian from Montreal. What is going on? That's our second Canadian too. (laughs) Like we're really big in Philly and Canada, right? Uh, We're all a boot those Canadians. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Quick. That was terrible. That was terrible. Uh, quick question for you guys: Starting a keeper league this year, where next year's keepers retain their draft value. So same round. Um, how do I implement this rule while also allowing teams to trade future draft picks? I've been in le- well. There's more to this, but I've been in leagues like this, and you get the roundup. So yep, yep. Uh, you're you're going to lose out on that <laughs> if if you keep a sixth rounder. The guy who got your sixth rounder and trade actually will get your fifth rounder. Um, the oh, oh,
1: okay. Yeah. Yep. That's interesting. But again, going back to my home keeper league, if I've traded or, my six rounder and I need to use that six rounder to, uh, um to keep a player. Now I just have to use my fifth rounder. Yeah. Well, same difference. Yeah. yeah well, it's not the same.
0: Not difference. The same div- if, it's not if the you, same. If the other guy gets the the
1: Yeah. That's, that's actually what I meant. That's a, <laughs> oh, okay. That's,
0: that's actually what I meant is that. You, the player goes for the, the roundup and you you trade your sixth rounder to that guy and then you lose your fifth rounder okay Sorry. all right that, that's that's what i meant uh you can ignore what i was trying to say at the beginning <laughs> <laughs> the problem i feel like i will encounter is owners having traded the draft pick from the round they will lose from keeping a player from the round the year prior it wasn't confusing at all it's actually a very common thing yeah um, the first time I was introduced to that was about, about 10 years ago. Uh, I was in a league with Shane Hallam, and that's how he did it, is that uh, because you've traded that, you know, say, sixth-rounder, that sixth-rounder is in your in your list, and basically when the fifth round comes up, that's the player you get. So, um, yeah, you basically – and if you want to keep Des Bryant for a sixth-rounder, that's a terrible example, but Des Bryant for a sixth-rounder, and you traded away your sixth-rounder, Des right now becomes
1: your fifth round pick. All right. Yeah, which which really hurts the it does hurt. Depending on the the rules in the league. Like I said, in, in my keeper league, it's it's a plus four every year. So Ooh. Ooh. so you know, Des should have been a sixth this year and a second next year. Again, that's that's a really bad example, Scott. Right now, know, give, it's terrible. <laughs> but, down, yeah. but now in this case, it becomes a fifth which hurts this year and a first which which makes most players unkeepable uh just eliminates them as options so yeah. that's that's a costly um situation because it it hurts you down the line too if you're in a league like mine or even if you maintain that that keeper value and that that draft position once he's a fifth rounder he's always a fifth rounder Yeah. I I think that's pretty industry standard
0: too. Like I feel like every time I've run into this, that's how it was played. So um, yeah, simple, (laughs) simple answer there for that. Uh, It sucks, but yeah, it's, that's, that's the way I've seen it done. I suppose you could be really nice to your owners and do it the reverse. You know, it's a pick later, but that just incentivizes people to trade, you know, higher picks or Mm -hmm. whatever. There would be some strategy in that as well. Once
1: Once you decide who you're keeping.
0: Oh, yeah. Once you do what you can look at your team like in season, and you got David Johnson for, for, yeah, exactly. For like a, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to stop with the examples because I'm terrible at it right now. But yeah, there'd be some strategy once you realize who you want to keep.
1: All right. Next question comes from Tony Ferraro. Tony didn't tell us where he's from, but Mm. maybe.
0: We check his email see if he has it. But you I'm go ahead. i
1: thinking like Miami, right? Tony Ferraro. That's that's a great name. I like it. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Tony says, I've been binge binge listening. Another one. Thanks, Tony. I've been binge listening your Commission Impossible podcast. I love it. Started playing fantasy football in 2012, 2014. I started auction keeper league with some interesting rules, but I've grown bored with it. That's exactly my story i started um my hyperactive dynasty leagues uh back in oh gosh uh, about a dozen years ago now i guess so a one or two or three something like that at that point they had some rules that were kind of i guess you could say unique or new to to dynasty football and and now those things have kind of grown stale so that's mm-hmm. the situation tony is in After listening to your podcast, I've decided I want to start running more leagues with more interesting rules. Three quick questions. Number one, I want to do multiple payouts. I love your progressive payout idea. What site do you recommend to handle the money that can accommodate these payouts? I don't do progressive payouts. So Scott, I'm going to let you handle that one.
0: It, it doesn't even matter as long as you keep track, probably in an Excel sheet or a Google doc of which payouts you have. And then, you know, put the name of the winner next to them as they happen. Uh, I will say that, I mean, you can obviously do it with your PayPal account or your, uh, I mean, you gotta be a little wary with running leagues off your PayPal account. Cause yeah, I've heard they've, they, they shut people down every once in a while, but, uh I, most people have no issues, uh, but or Venmo or whatever. Um League Safe does accommodate progressive payouts. Uh you just roll over, like you only pay out, say you have six hundred dollars in your pot there. Uh you pay out five hundred and you just roll over that hundred to the next year. They do accommodate that. So uh, really any any place you do it, any place you c- can keep the money, I- I'm sure can accommodate that. You just gotta make sure to keep track on a Something that the league, the entire league has access to.
1: Yeah. So it sounds like it's, again, less about the finances and more about keeping up and tracking that. Exactly. Second question from Tony. My league and most of the leagues I play in are on Yahoo. Would you recommend me joining a league on MFL for a year to learn it or jump right in and host a league? Uh, I would say jump right in. Yes, 100%. uh, I've, uh, of, of course... I'm used to MFL at this point. I, uh, I started those leagues on it from the beginning. Uh, I think it offers a lot more uh, than, than a site like Yahoo or, or ESPN or something like that, NFL.com. <clears throat> so I would say just dive right in. Try to learn it. There's lots of resources out there for um, managing leagues on MFL. And question number three from Tony. This is my baby, my favorite idea for my league. I think I have talked to him about this in DM. Oh, have you? Okay. <laughs> Everyone else, I hate- recognize this. <laughs> All right. Everybody else hated this idea. <sighs> that that's the worst when that happens. Yes. You have an idea you think is awesome, and nobody else likes it. All right. Let's see. Tony's idea is win tokens. You get one token per win. Each token is worth five dollars cash, ten dollars auction. Or twenty dollars fab money, Uh, depending on what you need at the time. Fab can be used during season; the others during the off season. They can also be traded. Thoughts? The money amounts are subject to change. So, um, when you, I mean, in my leagues, you don't win money per per win, but we do pay out for the high, the weekly high score. So I can imagine maybe giving some options there. I like this idea. I do what too. Do I, I love it.
0: I actually kind of want to throw it in a pigs league, honestly, because it, it fits right in with that, you know, uh, take a, take a little cash. Uh, you know, you'd have to figure out exactly how many games are played and cause you, you don't want to take too much cash out of the prize pool. <laughs> cause, uh, if everybody's taking $5 cash, that could do it. But, uh, that $10 auction is really interesting. <laughs> really, really interesting. And I think that would be the number one option. I think most people, when they win, they would rather have auction money for the next auction. Um, I love it. I absolutely love it. I love that idea.
1: Um, I, I think sometimes I, I've it seen... It sucks that
0: everybody hated it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes, not even sometimes, a lot of times I'll see other people have ideas, whether it's a league idea or maybe even an idea for an article that, that they've written. And I am I just think, oh, I should have thought of that. I know. I know. Right. And and of course you've, that's happened with me and you a ton where you've had awesome ideas for your leagues and and things like that. This is one of those. I love this idea. Um, We, we give, we give cash for a rivalry win, you know,
0: and we give cash for achieving a certain amount of wins or, you know, auction dollars. Right. Um, And I, I have, I actually, because of the inflation in those leagues had to remove all those rules. Um, (laughs) so I don't think I could put this in a pig's league, but I, I love it. I love it. And yeah, you're right. We have those all the time. We're like, how didn't I think of this idea? You know, and something like this would be such an easy, yep. Such an easy way to, uh, to track too, for a commissioner. Right. Um, I would recommend against the fab in season because that would be very commissioner intensive, But if it's $5 cash or $10 auction, you just take a look at the standings at the end of the season and calculate it, you know? So, I mean, if you only do the first two options, it's, it's an easy commissioner thing at the end of the season.
1: Yeah. Um, I guess the, the only tricky part would be budgeting for, um, the amount of wins that are, up. Yeah, that's but, what I'm, that's what I was trying
0: to say with, you got to really watch how much
1: you're taking out of the prize pool. <laughs> but again, yeah. because I'm thinking you have, you have to budget your league fees or your, your league payout totals yep. with the assumption that everybody's going to take the money.
0: Yep, exactly. And, and we're talking about potentially uh, at minimum six, six wins per week, you know, Cause 12 teams playing each other times 13 weeks. I mean, we're talking and t- that time yeah, 78. Five. Yeah. 78. And then that times five. So we're up to, you know, 350, 390 bucks or whatever. Uh, so your pool has to be at least 390 bucks. And then that's not accounting for any other payouts. And you need a plan for what, if people don't take that cash option, what, where does that cash
1: go? Well, if, if he's, the same league he's already planning to do progressive payouts, So that would answer yeah. that question. Just yeah. roll that into the progressive the next season. So lots of good ideas there, Tony uh, go with it. S- I'm find so stealing
0: league, some of that.
1: <laughs> find, a league, find a league that likes your win token idea. Find a group because that's, that's uh, a good idea.
0: And if you, if you want to, uh, you know, say, Hey, I'm going to try commissioning a league on MFL. I wanted, I have this idea, put that in a tweet and tag me and I will retweet the hell out of it. Cause yep. that I think that's a really cool idea. Very, very good job. Tony Ferraro from parts unknown. <laughs> <laughs> South beach. The, the only flaw in that email. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. And thanks for listening to another episode of commission impossible. I am scottfish24 on twitter ryan is ryan mc23 on twitter you can go follow us there uh listen to all of our podcasts please binge because it's it's fun that you guys binge these episodes that's awesome uh thanks for listening have a great day